We're going to look into the Word of the Lord and uh, go into a time of Bible study. I want to thank the Lord for what He did this past Sunday morning. Wasn't that a beautiful thing to behold? Hallelujah. God, to God be the glory for the things He has done. And in, in cash, in that offering, in, in what you saw at the altar was $21,000 in cash at the offering. That doesn't count what was given in the offering plate. And we thank the Lord for that, all for ready now. And, and had others to say, we're going to add more to it. Somebody even said we're adding $10,000 to it. Amen. And somebody brought in a piece of jewelry and said, I want this to be sold. And we thank the Lord for that. Amen. And uh, God is going to do this thing, and he's using his people to do it. And we give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Uh, we want to look into the word of the Lord uh, this evening. And uh, I'm, I'm going to begin from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, I'm speaking tonight on the subject, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. Amen. And uh, we, want to, we want to look at this a passage of scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, it is commonly referred to as the Shema. Uh, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Hallelujah. It shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, wells digged which thou diggest not, Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So the Lord is speaking to the children of Israel concerning the importance of declaring that the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord. There is none other. There is only one God. And this is the importance of it. He said to make sure that you love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Now I want you to understand, you, can't, you don't love God unless you love him with all your heart. You don't love him if you just love him with half your heart or with a quarter of your heart. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, or you don't love him. And so the scripture teaches us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. 
God actually comes down into our life and causes love to fill us full. And we're able to love him because he's gracious and gives unto us the love that we give back to him. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And notice what he said, you shall teach them. And, and he didn't just say teach them, he said teach them diligently. So I want you to teach them to your children. And I want you to teach them diligently to your children. That means have systems and methods in place to where you are rehearsing these words to your children. To where children are hearing you say, there is only one Lord. And you shall love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your might. These are the words that the Lord would have us to teach diligently unto our children. To teach diligently means not just a recitation of those words, but a life that exemplifies those words. So you've got to live a life in front of your children, your grandchildren, and in front of those that look to you, and we all have people who look to us, a life that demonstrates there's only one God. You can't say there's only one God and then live like there are several. You can't say there's one God and then divide your devotion among several different spirits, deities, and God-like entities. You must live a life that says there's only one Lord and then you love him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and you, you teach it diligently by rehearsing it in the ears of your children, by living it in front of the eyes of your children, showing them what it means to, to love the Lord, one Lord, with all of your heart, soul, and might. You say, well, I don't have children. There are children all across this congregation who look to the saints of God. When we dedicate children to the Lord, I try to take an opportunity to remind us as a congregation, hey, we have a responsibility to be the kind of a congregation that this young person can grow up in and, and be close to God. This needs to be a safe place for them to know that's my church. Those are my people. I have a safe haven there. Those are people who will pray for me. Amen. We can't guarantee what roads and what paths children will walk, but we've got to provide the kind of a place that no matter what road or path they have taken, they can always come back to this place because there are people here who worship one Lord and love him with all their heart, their soul, and their might. Teach it diligently to your children. That means talking about it. That means living it. Amen. Not only are you to teach it diligently unto your children, yet thou shalt talk of these words. I love that because he differentiates between teaching and talking. We can sometimes think that we don't, we don't really uh, have any venue or place to, to declare the goodness of God if we're not standing behind a pulpit or if service hasn't been called to order. No, no, no. Talk of the goodness of the Lord. Talk of the goodness of God when you're sitting at the restaurant. Don't talk about other people. Talk about one Lord. 
And him only shall we love and, and, and love him with all of our heart and soul and might. Don't, don't gossip. Talk of the goodness of the Lord. Don't cut other people down. Don't take opportunity to tear people down. Talk of the goodness of the Lord. Talk of it. You, you, can, you can speak of the goodness of God. You sometimes think, well, if I'm not preaching it or if I'm not singing it or if I'm not teaching it. He said, talk of it. Let it be in your natural course of conversation that the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. And, and let it be something that demonstrates a total love with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your spirit. He said when you're talking about it, make sure you talk about it when you're sitting in your house. That means you've got to turn some things off and talk of the oneness of the Lord and the glory of the Lord. Don't just do it during commercial breaks. Amen. It's time to power down. We're so electronically indulged that it's stripping from us the very basics of life. But we need to sit in our house and glorify the Lord and magnify God and lift up his name and teach that diligently unto our children. Talk about it when you sit in your house. Talk about it when you walk by the way. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it when you rise up. Now, what he's trying to say is keep talking about it. No matter what you're doing, when you're walking, when you're sleeping, when you wake up, when you're going to bed, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about he is one. Talk about he is good. Talk about he is holy. Talk about he is worthy. Talk about I love him with all my heart, soul, and might. Talk about it. He said it'll be bind it upon your hand. Bind it upon between your eyes. Make sure you've got it up in front of your eyes. And, and, and that, that binding it upon your hand, it, it's, it's, it's similar, it's akin to the statement, I know it like the back of my hand because I can see the back of my hand pretty well. It's, it's just out here in front of me. I can see the back. I know something. When I know something like the back of my hand, that means that I, I know it well. He said, know it well. No question. There is no other God. There is none other, hallelujah, none beside him. And, and why? Why is this important? This is important because there's going to come a day when you're going to come into the blessing of the Lord and you're going to live in houses you didn't build and you're going to drink from wells that you didn't dig and you're going to eat of vineyards that you didn't plant and there will come this temptation to forget the Lord your God. It better have been something you talked about enough that your children won't forget about it, that your grandchildren won't forget about it. It's a task in 2019, but we've got to keep the Lord at the forefront of our minds and our conversations. Hallelujah. Don't tear down the people of God. Lift up the people of God. Don't tear down the preacher. Lift up the preacher. Don't tear down the leaders of the church. Lift up the leaders of the church. Don't tear down the saints of God. Lift up the saints of God. Even if you've got an issue with somebody, don't, don't plant what the devil's trying to put in you as a root of bitterness. Don't plant that into your children. But instead, plant in them a love for this one God. The fact that he's one God differentiates him from all the gods of the people. All the gods of the people are noted for being a pantheon of deities. A, 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 a pantheon, a, a vast 
Uh, panoramic, that's actually where we get the word panorama. It's connected to the word pantheon. It has to do with, with, with a, a, a deified collection of entities that uh, it's just, it's, it's broad sweeping. And man invented his own gods in his own mind and created for himself these gods and had gods of the sun and gods of the moon and gods of the ocean. Every phenomenon that he encountered, he, he said this, there has to be a God associated with this. And they would, they would encounter spirits and those spirits would lay claim in their minds to those natural phenomenons. So they would have a God of fire and a God of thunder and a God of lightning and a God of the harvest and a God of the flies. And a God. they had a God for everything. And there were millions of gods. And then, and then, and then they, would, they would concentrate on that. And, and these different gods had different personalities and different expectations. And they lived in fear of all of them. But I want you to know something. Our God is one Lord. He doesn't need any committee. He doesn't need any pantheon. He doesn't need others. He, doesn't, he is self-sufficient. There is no beginning to him. He is the beginning. There is no ending to him. He is the ending. He doesn't, he doesn't have a first. He is the first. And he doesn't have a last. He is the last. Hallelujah. He is the great I am. He is the self-sustaining, self-existent, self-sufficient God. Hallelujah. And we do not denigrate him by, by associating him with other gods. He is the one true living God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And you can see his handiwork. And the breath that you're breathing is breath he put into your body. When you go to sleep tonight, just as you did last night, you will not remember to, to breathe, but your body will breathe. Hallelujah. You will not have to nudge your heart to, to get it to tick and to talk, but it's going to tick and it's going to talk because there's a creator who created you in his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's why there is a sanctity to life. Because we are made in the image of this one true and living God. Oh, hallelujah. There is only one Lord. Thank the Lord. And Israel was to worship him. Israel was to magnify him and none others. As a matter of fact... It was important that Israel understand this because there was a temptation, a temptation to worship the gods of the heathens. The heathens were quite creative in the way that they would uh, demonstrate their, their gods and, 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 and try, to, uh, try to create some kind of an imagery where people could look upon them. And uh, the scripture teaches us, though, in Isaiah chapter 44, we're going to look here, Isaiah chapter 44 and verse number 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appointed the ancient people 
and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. There is no God beside the Lord our God. Hallelujah. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit. And they are their own witnesses. They see not nor know that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a God or molten a graven image that is profitable for nothing. This is important. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10, he again says in verse 9, Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say it is truth. These are legal terms. The term justified is a legal term. Witnesses, this is a legal term. He's, he's saying God is on trial and you are the witnesses. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, I have saved, I have showed. When there was no strange God among you, therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Oh, hallelujah. He explained to them that I am he. I am the Lord your God. I, you even, my servant has declared unto you that I am he. There is none beside me. I save you. I show. I declare. And I, even I am the Lord. Beside me, there is no Savior. There is only one God. Now, we understand that the Lord explains here that he is the first and the last, that there is none beside him. He also said it in Revelation chapter 1, the Lord Jesus Christ, I am the first and I am the last. He, that he which was and is and is to come, the Almighty. He which was, that is the the Almighty that Isaiah spoke about, that we just read about. He which is, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And he which is to come, that is the eternal reign of our great Christ and King. It's the same God, the Almighty God. So when we look then at this matter of God creating us in his image, this is very important for us to understand that God created us in his image, and man, men and women have a tendency to want to see an image. We are visual creatures, and, and it's important to us that we see an image, that we are able to lay our eyes upon something to help us understand a thing. That's why many times a speaker will use visual aids to help you to understand what they're saying in order to, to give you some imagery. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image 
or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, we do not fashion idols and we do not fashion graven images to worship them or to set them up. When you, look at, when you look at the decadence of our culture, you see violations of these commandments scattered throughout the decadence of our culture. You see deification of people, deifying of people. That's why celebrities are called stars. They're being deified. They're being worshipped. All stars, superstars, rock stars, stars. They, they, they lodge them in the heavens the way that the heathens of ancient days would worship. And they create an image for themselves. This is why, this is why in their awards, the awards that they received are little images. Even the, the, even the awards that they received are, receive are graven images. They call them Oscars. These are, these are little images. Graven images, and, and it's scattered throughout the culture of, of, of modern times. And we become so immune to it, so accustomed to it, so desensitized to it. We don't think anything of it. There is blatant idolatry scattered throughout the land. And God is in the background. And here it is. It's the Lord that causes the sun to rise every day. It's the Lord that causes the rain to water the earth. It's the Lord that causes this atmosphere to be balanced at just the right way that the human body can breathe. Have you ever stopped to consider that one tilt of this atmosphere in one direction or another could change the, 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 the matter in such a way that we would not be able to breathe? We wouldn't be able to function on this earth. But in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God did that. God created this thing so that we could live here. And we worship everything and everybody but him. And I'm talking about our culture. The church doesn't. The church worships him. And the church had better continue to worship him. And only him. No flesh can glory in his presence. Not about big eyes and little U's. This isn't a place where we praise personalities. We worship one God. We obey one God. We give ourselves wholly and surrender to one God. Hallelujah. And so we reject the imagery, that, that, that whole concept, image. God made an image, and the image that he made was a man, and he made for the man a woman, and they were made in the image of God. And each reflects that image of God. See, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But when he created male and female, he created the image of God. And it is important that each male and female reflect the glory of that image. When God created you biologically, the way that he did, anatomically, the way that he did, he did it with his divine wisdom.
It is a lie of the devil that tries to get people to distort that image and change their biological nature. Trying to get a man to, 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 to covet and, and, and change into a woman or vice versa. What, what's happening? It's the enemy, the author of confusion, who's trying to so wreak havoc in the heart and the mind of that individual so that they, they, become a, they become a distortion of what God intended them to be. And they become confused and they become so very, so very uh, disoriented. This is why the church doesn't take a self-righteous posture in that cultural discussion. We take a we take a posture of compassion and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole experience of the new birth is to conform us to the image of the Son of God, which is the original image that God created in the garden. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So God made man in his image. That's why men be men, act like men, look like men. I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about chauvinism. I'm thoughts, I'm, listen, any male can be a male. I'm talking about being a man of God, being a man of integrity, being an individual who has honor with God, who lives a life that is, that is, is capable of, of reflecting the glory of God. Men be men. And any temptation from the enemy that tries to pull you off that track whether it be to try to make you effeminate, resist that temptation in the name of Jesus and bring it to God in prayer. Surrender that to the Lord and say, God, if it's a struggle in your flesh, tell the Lord, Lord, I need you to fight this battle for me in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord will fight that battle for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. He will fight that battle for you. And women of God, be that woman that God created you to be. Be gracious and kind. Be compassionate. Be nurturing. Be strong. Be virtuous. Be pure. Be holy. Hallelujah. This involves, this is where the teaching about modesty comes in. And the teaching about gender distinction comes in. This is where we, we, take, we take great comfort in knowing God created me a man. And he created a woman to be a woman. And each individual reflects the glory of God as we're made in the image of God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's not an old-fashioned thing to be ashamed of. It's a thing to rejoice in and know that the Lord has set his house in order. Praise the Lord. And so this is what it means to be made in the image of God. But man for years has tried to create an image that is not of the Lord, an image that can reflect God the way they want God to be reflected. So they would always, they would always give their gods eyes and a mouth they would always give their gods ears they would they would they would create their god to look like a man or to look like a woman that's how they would create their gods they would fashion idols and say these be your gods and people would worship would worship those gods but the only image that is to be revered is the express image of his person. That's when God manifested himself in the flesh. Hallelujah. And became the only begotten son of God. When you look at Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, but He is God manifest in the flesh. He is the Father and the Son. Hallelujah. You've got to understand that. You say, why did God become a man? The reason God became a man was because man got himself into sin and death. It was man's sin that brought death into the world. This is teaching. This is taught in the book of Romans chapter 8. Man's disobedience brought sin into the world. And sin brought its partner, which is death. Where there's sin, there's death. You want to know where, why relationships die and why dreams die and why hope dies? Because of sin. Sin brings death with it. Whenever there's sin, there's going to be death. So man brought sin, man brought death, and now man doesn't know what to do. Man is held hostage. Man is in trouble. Man has no clue. His children are in trouble. His grandchildren are in trouble. His great, 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 great grandchildren are in trouble. There's murder. There's wrath. There's, there's loss of innocence. There's condemnation. There's shame. There's, there's, there's anger. There's, there's violence. There's perversion. It's, it's, it's awful. Man did this to himself, and man has to get himself out of it. That's the way the law works. The law of God, the principles are in place. God does not go against his own nature. Man has to get himself out of it, and yet man was incapable of getting himself out of it. And so God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a man. I'm going to become a man. And he established this plan from the very beginning. He established this plan from before the foundation of the world. He already had a plan in place. So that when man abused the freedom that God gave him. Some people have said, why did God give man freedom? Anybody ever had that question? Why did God give man freedom? Why didn't he just say, you know, snap his fingers and, you know, zappo. You're just going to never make any mistakes. There you go. That's not the image of God. God is free. God is free. So if he's going to make man in his image, man has to be free. Free to do what he wants to do. Consequences, yes, but still free. Have freedom of choice. And so God created man in his image. Man has freedom of choice and the ability to decide what it is that he's going to do. And when man makes these mistakes, God is not alarmed. God is ready. God knows exactly what to do. God knows exactly what shall happen because he's put it all in place from the foundation of the world. And God puts that plan in motion beautifully. And it all has to do with God becoming a man and doing what man could not do for himself. God became a man. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Hallelujah. Highly favored among women. She was a virgin. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her, and she brought forth a son. The angel appeared to her and said, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The, Lord, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, You shall call his name Emmanuel, God. Hallelujah. God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God. God, the great I am, God. God, Jehovah Jireh. God, Jehovah Ropha. God, Jehovah Rohi. God, Jehovah Mechadesh. God. God with us. 
Hallelujah. This was not just another great teacher. This was not just one of the great prophets, but this was the almighty God manifest in human flesh as the only begotten son of God. When he came into this world, he is the son of God. Why was he the son of God? Because that's who we are. And we don't know it. And we have drifted from it. And we are legally detached from it. And so God said they don't even know who they are. They don't know their purpose. They're all out there wandering like sheep having been scattered and gone astray. And they're all asking the question, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Why am I here? What, 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 what should I do with my life? And, and, and the, whole, the whole matter of God stepping down into this earth was to show you who you are supposed to be. That's why we ask the question, what would Jesus do? Because what Jesus would do tells you what you should do because you were designed to be like Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the express image of the person of God. Don't let anybody tell you that there are multiple persons in the Godhead. That's a sneaky little way of saying that there are more than one God. And they'll never admit it, but that's exactly what they're saying. They, you know why they won't admit it? They'll say, no, I believe in one God. The reason they'll say that is because they know the scriptures completely disallow for any extra God. There is no Savior beside me. There is no God beside me. But then they bring in this concept that there are multiple persons in the one God, effectively relegating the term God to some kind of a metaphor or analogy. No, no, no. This is conniving. This is sneakiness. This is trying to bring a pantheon idea of God into the equation. He's one God. One God. He is the Father in creation. He is the Son in redemption and he is the Holy Spirit in regeneration. He's one God. He's one God. He's one God. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. His name shall be called the Mighty God. His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. Don't try to remove him from his identity as the God who created us. Don't try to remove him from his identity as the Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Hallelujah. Jesus the Christ. Jesus was the fulfillment of all that God had promised. Hallelujah. Jehovah Shema. The Lord is present. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is our provider. Jehovah Tzitkanu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner. Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord is our sanctification. Hallelujah. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is our healer. Jehovah Rophi, the Lord is our shepherd. Jesus is Jehovah Ashua or Yeshua, and it means Jehovah is our salvation. In other words, Jesus is all of these attributes and qualities of Jehovah. He is our righteousness, our sanctification, our, our shepherd, our present God, our peace. He's all of these things wrapped up into one name, and his name is Jesus. 
He doesn't need another. He doesn't need a God of the sun and a God of the rivers and a God of the sea and a God of the grass. He is the God of all things. He is the God of everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all things that dwell therein. I'm going to tell you something. When God decided to save humanity, he did not send another. He did it himself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He did it himself. And he came down into this world as a man because man got himself into the sin. Man had to get himself out of the sin. And man was incapable of getting himself out of the sin. So God became a man and did for man what man couldn't do for himself. And he really did become a man. He really did become a man. God did. God did. He became a man. A real man. That's why he really is the only begotten son of God. That's not a metaphor. That's not an allegory. It's not an analogy. He became the only begotten son of God. Because you and I are the children of God. And in our unredeemed state, we don't know it. So God came down into this earth. And when he came down into this earth and took upon him the form of a servant. And took upon him the the death of a transgressor. And took upon himself the, the fashioning of a man. Made of a woman made under the law why so that he could wake you and I up out of our deadness in trespass and sin and cause us to understand who we really are supposed to be Hallelujah. And he showed us how to pray and he showed us how to talk to strangers and talk to sinners and talk to men and talk to women. He taught us how to treat children. He taught us how to treat brothers and sisters. He taught us how to raise the dead, how to lay hands on the sick. He taught us how to have faith. He taught us how to surrender our will. He taught us how to live. He taught us how to die. He taught us how to rise from the dead. He taught us how to ascend into majesty. He taught us how to do it. Hallelujah. That's why, he was, that's why he was constantly correcting. And the disciples would jostle for position. And they would say, well, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? I think I should be. And they, they started to politicize this thing and, and run for position. And Jesus said, you, you need to understand you're, you're acting like your fallen nature. I've come to show you how you were really created to be. See, the greatest among you is the servant of all. Hallelujah. What if, what if everybody served everybody? What if everybody served everybody? Not, not because somebody forced them into servitude, but because there was something in them that just compelled them to love and to serve. There was no hierarchical government that lived like potentates and forced them into this servitude. No, 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 just just servanthood. See, I'd say this all the time, and I want you to understand what I'm saying. We look, at, we look at Jesus being a servant, and we think for three and a half years he was a servant, and he had to get that over with so he could show us how meek he was and how lowly he was and how humble he was. And now he's ascended on high, and he's the king of all kings. 
Well, he is the king of all kings, and he has ascended on high. But, but he's not a king the way the heathen mind thinks of a king. He's not this, he's not this ogre and this potentate that just, that just has all of this cruelty wrapped up in. That's not, that's not the kind of a king that he is. He is a servant. When he walked this earth, he was a servant. And now he is a servant. He's still a servant. His majesty is servanthood. We got it all backward. That's why the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We have it all twisted. We think that the higher the ladder we go, we get further and further from being a servant. He said, not in my kingdom. The higher you go in my kingdom, the more loving and serving and deferring you become. If you don't think he's a servant, if you really don't think he's a servant even right now, we'll just try something. Call on him. Call on him. Jesus, glory. He's as close as the mention of his name. I'm going to tell you, when you're in trouble, call on him. He will come riding on the wings of the wind. Hallelujah. He will make the clouds his chariot. He will come to you wherever you are, and he'll bring you whatever you need. He's a servant. His throne is servanthood. His majesty is humility. Hallelujah. That's who we are. That's who we're supposed to be. We have dominion, but it's not, it's not a fallen nature's version of dominion. It's holy, humble, righteous, true authority, and it is only in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God, he has subdued all principalities and all powers. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to, I, I need to read to you some scriptures. I'm going to hasten along here because I could go all night. I might just dismiss everybody and keep on preaching. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1. Hallelujah. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. That's our fallen nature. That's the power of darkness. And hath translated us, glory to God, into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of every creature. What that's saying is, is that before God created any creature on this earth, he had in his mind, I will become a man and I will take their sins away. And everything else that he created followed that template. That's why you can look at any part of this creation and see the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look outside, it's dark right now. It's dark right now. That is a reflection of the death of Christ. It will stay dark for several hours. That's a reflection of the burial of Christ. But, but in a few hours, oh, hallelujah, in a few hours, in a few hours, this whole horizon is going to be illuminated by the righteous might, hallelujah, of our God in heaven who created the sun, hallelujah, to rule over the day. And when that sun begins to rise, it's a reflection of our Lord and Savior who rose from the dead.
It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You can throw a seed into the ground, and when you throw that seed into the ground, it's going to be buried just like he was buried. It's going to break open, and it's going to come up out of the ground just like he did. Because he is the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him, all things were created for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. You want to know why you don't have consistency in your life? Because Jesus isn't preeminent. When Jesus is preeminent, consistency is the result of that. By him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Hallelujah. In all things he might have the preeminence. Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read to you. We're going to begin reading at verse number five. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will god worked all things after the counsel of his own will what will the will of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the same will to which Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. That will is the only counsel God sought when he created this earth. Everything he created reflects the death, the burial, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. It was God who came down into this earth. It was God who, who, who became a man. It was God who suffered, bled, and died for you. It was God, hallelujah, who ascended on high. It was God who was poured out upon all flesh. It is God who lives inside of you when you receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It is God who has gone to prepare a place for you that where he is, you may be also. It is God. It is, it is not another. It is not some second person or second being or second entity. It is the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Who really is your father who really did become the only begotten Son of God, who really is the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know what? When you're, when you're talking to God, some might say, well, I don't know what I need him to be. You know, do I need him to be a healer, deliverer, provider? Because I need all that, right? I need all of it. <laughs> God, I need you to do all that. I need you to save me. I need you to deliver me. I need you to heal me. And I need you to provide for me. And I got a bunch of other stuff I need you to do. You're not like those who worship the pantheons where you're trying to pick out which God you need to appeal to. If you're driving your car and God forbid 
You have some kind of a situation where you lose control and you realize that you need, an, you need a miracle right now. And you don't know what kind of miracle you need, a deliverance, a healing, a provision, a protection, or whatever. You don't, you don't have to think about what kind of an of a attribute of God you need to talk to and make petition to. You just, you just call that name. Because in that name is everything you need. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the savior. He is the righteousness. He is the provision. He is the protection. He's everything you need. By him, all things consist. We worship one God. Somebody lift your hands and praise him right now. Come on, somebody lift your hands and praise him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we're baptized in his name. We're baptized in that precious name. Hallelujah. There is a name, there is a name that is recognized by every principality and power, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. He's the one who paid it all. He's the one to whom we owe all things. Jesus Christ paid it all. I wonder if we could stand to our feet right now and lift our hands to heaven and give him praise in this house. Come on, let's give him praise in this house. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name. Bless his name, bless his name. I was, I was a, I was a longtime uh, Pacer fan growing up in Indiana. And I remember when Larry Bird became the coach. And I remember when Isaiah Thomas became the coach. And earlier, Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas were two of the, you know, two of the greatest there had ever been. But they were getting older now, and they weren't playing. They were coaching. And I remember when the Pacers would struggle, I would think, man, I wish Larry could just throw on a jersey. And man, I wish Isaiah could just get out there and do his thing. But I thought they can't because they're coaches, and they'd have to be a player. But there, there actually is a position called player coach. It actually, it's a real position. It, it's when the coach puts on the uniform of a player and steps out onto the floor, never stops being the coach, but has become the player and is subject to the rules of the game. That's exactly what God did. God looked down at this earth and, 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 and he put on the uniform, if you please, of humanity, became subject to the rules that humanity had subjected themselves to. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he won it all for me. He won it all for you. He didn't break one law. He didn't break one law. He obeyed the law. He fulfilled the righteousness of the law. He went to the cross as a spotless lamb, something that none of us could have ever done. If, if we might have even been able to keep the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law we were in violation of. Jesus kept the law in its perfect perfection in its entirety. And when he went to the cross, he was qualified. He was qualified. Hallelujah. So you know what? This world can go their way and let me be, but I'm going to worship Jesus with all of my heart. And he's the only one. He's the only one. I don't need another. 
There's only one Lord. There's only one God. There's only one. There's only one. Come on, somebody, lift your hands right now. Lift your voice. And praise the one God. The one God. Dedicate your life to one God. Come on, that's it. That's it. No other God. No other God. No other God. No other God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Oh, yes. Sin had left a crimson stain. He was. paid it all oh Lord all to him I owe well sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow yes Jesus paid it all oh Lord Crimson stain, he washed. Oh, yes, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed. White as snow, oh hallelujah, oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. praises under the Lord. Lift up your praises under the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift your praises under the Lord right now, all across this building. Come on, let the Lord do something right now. Let the Lord do something right now. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Come on, let Him do something right now. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, that's it. Pour your heart out to Him. this life up from the dead oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised up from the dead Pain, 
this thing. He was in white as snow. Oh, yes, Lord. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Yes, sin had You know, we oftentimes preach the oneness of God. We teach the oneness of God. We sing the oneness of God. But I'm challenging us tonight to live the oneness of God. Live the oneness of God. Hallelujah. Live your life like there's only one God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You say, oh, Pastor, I believe that. I know you do. So let it translate into your priorities. Let it translate into the way you, the way you treat people. You know what Jesus said? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Good or evil, if you've done it to the least of these. You want to know who that is? The furthest person from your mind. The last person you'd ever imagine needing to be kind to. That's the least of these. And when you've done it to them, you've done it to him. If you've respected them, you've respected him. If you've disrespected them, you've disrespected him. If you've been kind to them, you've been kind to him. If you've been unkind to them, you've been unkind to him. Live the oneness of God. Let's show this world that there's one God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's show this world. It's not just something we preach. It's not a doctrinal squabble. He's one Lord. He's one Lord. He's my only Savior. He raised this life from the dead. Praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead oh praise who paid my debt raised this life up from the dead oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead oh praise oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the oh praise the one yes Lord who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead come on Let's love him right now. Let's love him right now. Let's love him right now. All to him I hope. Sin had left a crimson stain. Had left a crimson stain. He was still 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands under the Lord. Glory to God.